Hi everyone, welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy as usual. And today we are talking to Amelia. We kick off the episode with Emilia Hawaiian's heritage and how those origins impacted the sense of belonging. A recurrent topic in this conversation is challenging yourself out of your comfort zone, moving to new places, becoming a professional singer, writing and releasing songs under her own name. Emilia has done a great job to create a very authentic and fulfilling life for herself, and we hope it inspires you to take ownership of your own life. Hello, Amelia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to talk to you and yeah, I'm just so excited. Thank you. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for your time. We are very, very excited about this episode and this conversation with you. Um, we met in, in, in Miami. Uh, you were singing at a few yoga events that Rosie and I attended. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've been following you on, on your social, on Instagram, and, and, and see your travels, your retreat, your singing, and everything that, that, that you do and that we're going to be talking about. Um, but actually, I think we're going to start with something that I don't know anything about about you, is your Hawaiian heritage. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about those origins? Okay, sure. So my mother is Hawaiian Chinese and my father is what we call in Hawaiian Haoli. Mm-hmm. Haoli literally means foreigner, but it's a slang word that we use for the white people. So my father has blonde hair and blue eyes, and he's from the (laughs) interior of Georgia. And he says he doesn't have a Southern accent, but he does. (laughs) And and all of his family definitely has a very deep Southern accent. And my mom was just this beautiful Polynesian princess, Hawaiian Chinese, and people often ask me how they met. And they met because my father was living his dream. Being from Georgia, it was always his dream to go to Hawaii and surf. So when he graduated from college, what did he do? He lived his dream and he met my mom. So, um, yeah, Hawaii is a beautiful land. It's very fresh land in terms of how long ago it was formed by volcanoes. Mm. It is volcanic. We still have some active volcanoes. Um, the, the big island, Hawaii Island is still growing because it's consistently erupting. Nice. So it's, it's still growing and it's a very spiritual place. Um, I was, I was going to ask you about that cause, um, I've never been to Hawaii, but from what I've heard of what I've read of what I've seen, I always associate in my head, Hawaii with mother earth, with nature, like a strong, you know, connection. And I was wondering if those heritage maybe explain your connection with nature and spirituality. I, I couldn't answer that because when you grow up, you only know what you know, and you're not aware of what is normal for you not being normal for other people. And so growing up, I was just me, but I, I'm pretty sure that I always was very spiritual. Mm. Although for a certain amount of time, I definitely denied it. Mm. And and I tried to be cool. And to me, cool was like a party animal and like, yeah. I'll go clubbing and stuff like that. But deep down inside, it's, it's always called me. Mm. And so now where I am in, in life at this moment, I feel very authentic and very grateful to do what I do and have 
started to accept myself thoroughly. Hmm. Because when the way we do one thing is the way we do anything. So if we can accept ourselves, we can accept other people just as they are. Yeah. But if we're judging ourselves, then we're going to project those on other people. Um, I, I hope I'm not straying too much from the original question about no, no. <laughs> if that's if I think that that impacted my spirituality. But one thing is that I, I think because the land is so young, you can still feel Mother Earth's energy there. And mm. the energy hasn't been paved over as much mm. or adulterated by the human hand. Although on the island that I'm from, Oahu, we have Costco's, we have highways, we have traffic galore. Mm. We have we have modern problems as well. Mm. Is it a place where you go back to regularly? Nowadays, I go back about once a year because it's it's pretty far. It's yeah, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, it's not next door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I do try to talk to my grandmother, who is definitely my deepest Hawaiian root. Mm. She's, I always tell stories about her because she's a living history book. She's seen so much change. Mm. Mm, I can imagine. Um, yeah, she's over 90. Wow. So she's seen climate change. She's seen the dawn of the internet. Before, when she was a kid, in order to travel from one island to another, she and her siblings would get on a boat made for cows, for cattle. And so they would just get on and the cattle boat didn't even go all the way into the harbor. It would like pull in and then they would push the cows off and the cows would intuitively swim to the land. Ah, okay. And my grandmother and her siblings would get off the boat and swim <laughs> to the land. Now we have airplanes that, you know, yeah. regular flights. Yeah, it's a wow. different world, but it's it's the same world at the same time. So yeah. So you were born in in the U.S. Uh, yes. But with, was... like you said, a very strong Hawaiian heritage in your in your family and I guess in your household. How did that impact your childhood growing up? Uh, maybe culturally speaking. Yeah. So my childhood was really interesting. Um, I think that one of the things, one of the tasks in my life, is to to overcome feeling like I'm not enough X, Y, or Z. Because in my, in my father's family, my, my brother is the eldest. There are three mm -hmm. of us. It's my brother, then my sister, then me. And in my father's family, all of his siblings, he has six siblings, and they all married American. American. And so my father was the only one that branched out and married a Polynesian Asian. So when my mom got pregnant with my brother, my, my father's mother was concerned that my brother would come out deformed or with some kind of a mental incapacity. And um, so we, we were kind of like that branch of the family that was unusual mm. and not enough this. My brother yeah. has really dark, like black hair, kind of Asian features. And so I lived in North Carolina for part of my life as a child. And I didn't feel like I fit in with the culture. Right. Mm. But then at the same time, when I'd go to Hawaii, because I look the most haole, the white of all my siblings, I would get teased because I wasn't Hawaiian enough. Mm. And so... 
that that really helped me work on acceptance and and i think that it it's through these challenges that we become better people and then i moved to miami and um, i started learning spanish but i'm not latina mm. and so once again i'm like not latina enough mm. but i i love the culture and and um it's it i think it's a really beautiful challenge to have in life to bring yourself consistently out of your comfort zone to adapt yeah. and to accept yeah belonging is such an important part of our lives and maybe we don't talk enough about it it might be i think a bit underrated but i think whatever we come from whatever age group race gender education we all want to belong to a group to a community to a country whatever it is and and i mean nobody likes to be rejected nobody likes to uh to be apart to be left left apart left aside stuff like that and and it's very interesting how i think everyone go through this experience at some point uh it can be very different but ultimately also the same we all like you said it's very interesting that growing up in a place you were you struggled to belong because of your origin and when you were going back to this origin you didn't feel you belong there because also like it's you can't get it right in a way <laughs> um but it's like you said i think it's probably impacted a lot who you are today and all those challenges and experiences forged and created the personality and, and everything that you do now as well to help other people heal what whatever they're going through yeah because the way that i didn't fit in was one way but then on a day-to-day -day basis when we enter a new activity and it's our first time doing something or we're curious about something but what's and for example once i dated a guy and i was like come to these like holistic wellness events da, 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 da. and he was like i'm I'm not hippie enough <laughs> he was like they're gonna judge me because i'm not hippie enough and i was like you're judging yourself yeah mm -hmm. So um, yeah. that's why that's why um, I don't know if we're going to get to this later in the conversation, but I host this monthly gathering called Kanikapila mm -hmm. and everyone is welcome. And I, I really try my best to create a supportive, just comfortable container for everyone mm -hmm. to be vulnerable, to laugh, to dance, to sing, to express whatever needs to come out and to feel like they're not going to get laughed at. And if anything, people are going to join them yeah. and you're going to turn it into a dance party suddenly, or we're going to make a song out of something that they just let out. Yeah. Yeah. There is a very, very, very special community in Miami about that. I think, um, I don't know how we can call it the spiritual community, maybe just to put a label on there. Uh, I think it's amazing. There's always some sort of event that creates a safe space for people to be who they are. And that was very transformative for us. Yeah. Uh, very disturbing at the time. A little bit like this guy you said, you know, like, I don't think I belong there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't fit in. But once you break through those discussions, those stories, and, and you actually surrender and go and, and give it a shot, um, it can be very transformational. And we had amazing experience through those human connections event and stuff like that, that we, that we had. It's, it was really, really amazing. Yeah. And, and there has to be a first time for everything. You don't go <laughs> in 
having friends, you get to yeah. enjoy the journey of the curiosity and the fear and, and overcome it. And then you reap mm -hmm. the, the fruits of your labor, which is fitting in, having friends, and then probably creating your own thing to bring more people in eventually. Yeah. In a way, it's kind of like parenting. It's like, you know, you as a kid, you grow and you learn and you're like, oh, I'm learning this thing. And then one day you get to go offer your own thing. And experiment by yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when did singing uh, enter your life and music in general, maybe before singing? It was always singing. Hmm. Yeah. As a little kid, I was funny. Funny <laughs> as in weird. But all little kids are weird, right? Because yeah. we're, we're unabashedly authentic. We don't know that what we're doing is is uh, not normal yeah, yeah because there is we have no no base of reference yeah. and so uh, as a little kid i went through a stage where i would repeat everything <laughs> and i would repeat people too and i would imitate their voices so <laughs> if someone were like a cheeseburger please i'd be like a cheeseburger please <laughs> whatever it was or if there were sound outside of like a bird being like woo, 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 i'd be like woo, 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 woo. <laughs> and and so um growing up i used to just like sing and dance everything i did was singing and dancing and i'd make everything into a song and everything into a dance and mm -hmm. i kind of still do that <laughs> but um in terms of actually singing professionally I only released music for the first time in 2017 or I think 2019. Mm. Oh, wow. Just started releasing music under my own name because I didn't give myself permission. I didn't think I was worthy. I didn't think anyone wanted to listen. I didn't think that my lyrics were of value. And um, someone, I don't even remember how but someone else actually gave me the permission that i wish i had given myself and they're like you need to put that out mm. and so i did and from that point forward i've just been releasing music wow. so what did you do before you started releasing music so obviously if that was a hobby and that was something you did for fun what were you doing before like i don't know how old you are but in that kind of 20s age oh in my 20s were you in miami or Oh, those, those were some really wild and fun times. <laughs> um, I was in Miami and I worked as a prof professional presenter. Mm. So I worked for a company that sold sustainable products for industrial mm -hmm. sized buildings. So for hospitals, for schools, for very large buildings. And I would go in and I would talk about the products. And then I would meet all the architects and the interior designers. I said, whenever you have a project that's industrial, keep us mm. in mind, we would love to be of service. So I did that for a little while in Miami. And then I saw the trajectory of where my life was going to go. Mm. And I thought, okay, I had a boyfriend, I had a car, I had a nice apartment, I had a salary, a company card, I had my own secretary, and I was young. I was like 24, mm. 25. And I thought, no, you know what? I need more adventure in my life. And so I, I had multiple house parties in my apartment, and I would tell my friends, take whatever you want. And so mm. I had friends come over and they took all my dishes. I had friends come over, they take half my closet, my <laughs> shoes, my furniture, 
And whatever was left over, I um, donated it to the Veterans or Kidney Foundation, mm -hmm. some foundation. And I moved to Brazil. Oh, wow. And I just started over in Brazil. <laughs> wow. You moved there on your own? Yes. Did you have a job or any friends or you just packed up and left? I packed up and left. I did not have okay. any friends, but I studied. I had signed myself up for a course to become an English teacher mm, because okay. it's quite a, a valuable um, asset to, to speak yeah. English yeah. in South America. So I, um, I found a place to live for one month and the length of the course to teach was one month. And the director of the course took a liking to me. So when I graduated, she gave me connections to very high paying clients. So I moved to another apartment in, I lived in Rio. Mm -hmm. I moved to an apartment that was three blocks from the beach. And I had a beautiful life. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would go out dancing like two or three nights a week, go for a jog on the beach to watch the sunrise. And um, I made really good friends there. So I traveled around Brazil as well. And just as you guys are now back in Europe, I flew back to Hawaii. I, I abandoned my life there and flew back to Hawaii because my grandmother got sick. And they told me that she was going to pass. And um, so I stayed there for a couple of years and she didn't pass. She's still alive today, as I mentioned. Uh, I kind of think my family just wanted me to go home. Right. <laughs> They're so far away. Hawaii is so far yeah. from Miami and from Brazil. Yeah. Um, and then I came back here and started working at an, in Miami. Started working at an international school and then when a specific president got elected, there were a lot of immigration problems. And because I was at an international school, they, the enrollments dropped significantly. So I transitioned out of there into audiovisual translation, mm. which was a completely new field, but it's, yeah. it's always had to do with languages and sounds for me. Yeah. So in Brazil, I learned Portuguese, and then at the international school, I was speaking multiple languages. And then as an audiovisual translator, it just seemed really natural because I was also recruiting people from South America right. and training them. So, yeah. It's really interesting how at around 24 years old, uh, according to the standard of society, life was great for you, right? I mean, like you, you were checking the boxes. Uh, good job, good money, boyfriend, a place in Miami. Like you're doing pretty well. You were, you you would have been successful according to the standard of society, right? And is it just a sense of I want more adventure in my life, or was it maybe that this life was not fulfilling you? Like, oh. Was it like deeper than that? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was. There's more to life than this, and it was. Mm. It was actually that same thing that we were talking about earlier leaving your comfort zone because life i had life on autopilot mm. and i and i was too young i said no i i want to grow how did you see that because usually we struggle to realize that life is happening to us that that we are in autopilot it's, it's usually very hard to realize this about ourselves what was the did something happen for you to realize that? Or were you just very self-aware about what you were doing? And I think I was self-aware. Yeah. yeah. So I moved out when I was 15. So 
and and I love silence. Even though I'm a musician, <laughs> I love silence because that's when we can we can listen to our intuition. Mm. Yeah, I feel that I'm I'm a grandmother spirit inside of <laughs> inside of this body, which sometimes I forget how old I am. I'm like I'm so old, and then I'm like, wait, I'm actually not. <laughs> that was my spirit. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of wisdom then yes but also very playful <laughs> I, i aspire to be yeah yeah because it's really brave at 24 years old to pack everything leave leave your life behind and say like you know what i'm going it's really courageous i think uh, it takes a lot of courage to just leave the comfort of your house and your friends and everything to start a new life and and i mean i think it's amazing but it's i think so many people would love the idea of doing that, but they're terrified by it, actually. Yeah, to and, me, there uh, was no, no other option. Staying where I was wow. was not appealing to me. Mm. That's so interesting that you had this, yeah. this, And it's so cool that you did it also so young, I think, because you didn't waste too many years, you know, doing this life that you didn't like, ultimately, so. Yeah. Why, did you, why did you choose Brazil? Oh, Over no. everywhere in the entire world, why Brazil? <laughs> why not? No. <laughs> Yeah, well. <laughs> That's a good answer. No, 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 but there are many reasons. I think that, and this this might sound shallow, but in Hawaii, people would oftentimes think I was Brazilian mm. by not only the way I look, but apparently my, my energy. And so I was always intrigued by what Brazil held energetically. Mm. And I... I lived in Argentina for a little while in 2007. And during okay. that time, I took a trip solo to Brazil for three weeks. And I learned Portuguese. And I was like, I'm going to come back here one day. Yeah. And so then a few years later, I was like, I want to change my life. I've always wanted to live in Brazil. There's no time like the present. Tomorrow is not promised. Um, so I, I set a financial goal, and when I met that goal, I quit my job and started the transition. <laughs> <laughs> so because cool. I, I thought, if it doesn't work out, I'll just come back and start over again. Yeah. I love that. Like, we, we had the same process last year about leaving Miami. Like, it was the same. Like, we need to save some money to be able to survive for a few months and travel. And then uh, we'll be able to... Yeah, to enjoy life and everything. And I was scared, obviously, of doing it. I had a very comfortable job situation and everything. Is that a good idea? Is that very stupid? You know, all those chatter in, in, in my mind. And, yeah. and what you just said, like writing down and realizing that what what is the worst that can happen? Worst case scenario, I just get a job again and, you know, move back into an apartment, went somewhere and go back to normal life, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. It's worth the risk when you see this way. And yeah, when, when I realized that, I was like, let's do it. And yeah, yeah, it's so cool that you did that 24 years old. Life changing, I think. Yes, definitely. It was pivotal. Um, a lot of things mm. in my life have been pivotal. And I'm really grateful for that because I get to live many lives in one life. And yeah. um, uh, a metaphor that I like to share a lot is a diamond, the more facets a diamond has, the more valuable it is. And I didn't realize it, mm. but every step of my path has been essential to bring me where I am today, to have the skills, the soft skills that I've acquired 
to do what I do. It's a beautiful image. Yeah. Especially when you think that, you know, society and everything is trying to make us all the same, think the same way, like the same things, stuff like that. But as human being, yeah, we are multifaceted people and personalities and yeah, I really like this one. Thank you. And it's really important to follow our our interests because they're there for a reason. So I would love to ask you about what you're doing right now, because I know obviously you are a singer and you said you always sang as you were a child and you only started releasing music in 2019, I think you said. Talk to us about what you do now with your music, because it's not just singing. You also do ceremonies and yoga, you know, singing for yoga teachers and lots of different things and retreats and things. I'd love to learn more about what you do. So what another image that I like to use is a mandala, right? So it's going to be like the circle and then it'll have different things shooting out. But the center is music for me. Hmm. Everything that I do has is anchored in music. So I'm also a yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. And for every yoga session, I always seal the energy singing. It's, um, it's like a transcendental Shavasana where I'll use different instruments to elevate and, and I'll use my voice as an instrument to just take people on a journey. And so I teach yoga. Also, I teach different workshops for throat chakra or vocal activation. So I did a series mm-hmm. with Modern Om, and I also work at retreats, doing different activations like that, and at festivals. So at Art With Me, I had a, a few um, workshops because it's it's a divine channel, and it's powerful. And I, I think a recurring theme of our conversation has been getting to know the uncomfortable so that we can grow through it, like leaning into it Mm. to get the skills to move forward. And so in these workshops, I don't, I'm not going to say a hundred percent of the time, but a large portion of the time tears will be shed because people will remember some kind of a trauma that they've been holding on to and they, and they haven't even been aware of it. And then they liberate it. And I'm going to tell you guys something I haven't ever told in an interview. Mm-hmm. This is kind of weird. But okay. One of the ways that I gauge how effective my work has been is by how many tears are shed. Mm. Because it's a beautiful form of purging. We have a lot of forms of purging, particularly in ceremony. But sometimes it's just a flood of tears and the person doesn't know why and they don't want to, but it's just uncontrollable and ecstatic at the same time. Yeah, it's it's it can be a very, very healing to let it go. Yeah, it's cathartic. To, yeah, to, to, because very often we bury trauma very deep down <laughs> and seal it in a box in a vault and we never want to see that again um, but when we can find the tools to let it go to surrender and and exteriorize it and you can be crying screaming whatever the form is but it's it's a relief because usually it's years and years of carrying this burden in our bodies and um yeah i mean this is something that we've experienced also through a few workshops in miami and and you feel very different when you 
walk out then when you when you come in you know it's it's you, you feel a t totally different person yeah and it's very relieving mm. yeah and i'm deeply empathetic so when i see someone crying in my nose and I just become a puddle. <laughs> Same. But it's part of the human experience. And recently I yeah, read, connection. Yeah. I read that if someone yawns and it makes you yawn too, it's a sign of empathy. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I read it. I don't know if it's a hundred percent true. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, uh, music and let's say spirituality are two very important uh, pillars in your yes. life but so you said you released your first record just a few years mm -hmm. ago singing has always been part of your life but not professionally speaking um it, i've heard yeah, yeah um it, it has been just to clarify on that point i have been singing professionally but i never put anything under my own name Well, I used to sing electronic music with a band and it was a DJ. It was two producers and so we have, mm. I don't even know how many songs, maybe six, seven, eight songs of us as a band. Mm -hmm. And it was a very different style. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I've heard many times and I'm sure you, you, you've heard it as well, but you know, singing, it's not a career. You're never going to make it. Uh, It's, it's not a real job. All those narratives that we we love to put out in our society at the moment. Uh, is that something that you had to go through? People telling you you can't sing or you're never going to make it, stuff like that. Did you have to fight those challenges? What do all? you think? Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> probably. But... <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, because it's important to to be stable and to have money to pay your rent and food to eat. And I agree, I've, I've been financially independent for like 15 years. Um, mm. But also it's important to follow your dreams and to live your dreams. And so I'm, I think that when I came back, I did my yoga teacher training in India. And when I came back, mm. I didn't know what I was gonna do with my life. It was, it was very stereotypical. You know, I quit the audiovisual translator job and I was like, I'm out of here. I never want to see a computer again, even though I knew I was going to, <laughs> um, but I, I need a pause from the computers. I'm going to India, one way ticket. And I bought a one way ticket and I was at the gate for my flight to India and they wouldn't let me on. I needed to have an exit flight. So I bought the flight oh, at yeah. the airport got on the plane and, and, and canceled it. Canceled it. <laughs> but, um, We did that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I, I came back and I started teaching yoga. And now I don't live exclusively from music because fortunately, I also, people are hiring me to go work at retreats. Hmm. And um, I am singing, but I'm also providing other types of support. But it's, it's primarily singing. And also I, I facilitate meditation as well but but always with music it's like a meditation concert yeah so through the challenges that you had to face when you wanted to when you wanted singing and music to be a bigger part of your life but you had again all those people telling you that it's impossible you can't make it blah blah uh, did you ever felt at a point where you thought about maybe giving up actually like 
and 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 maybe believing those people like may yeah you're right i can't do this and i'm gonna stop singing and music and and live this boring life i don't know did dive across yes, your mind i had a boyfriend for a couple of years who told me that my voice was nothing special and i should keep my day job and so i didn't sing for for years and also i would distract myself because and it goes back to worthiness I didn't feel like my voice was anything special, like my lyrics were worthy of anything, like anyone wanted to hear me, like my voice was a contribution to society. So I just didn't sing. And instead I would like go out and and try to get drunk and like do the typical stuff. And I'm not saying that that's not a lifestyle that is one to be honored. Every everything is valid, and there are tons of different mm -hmm. paths, billions of different paths to take. But it it was it never felt fulfilling to me to mm. go to work from Monday to Friday, go party on Friday night, wake up and eat some junky food because I feel bad, repeat it on Saturday night, go party again Sunday, be like I can barely make it to the beach. Sunday night, go grocery shopping, food prep, and then Monday start over again. It just, it was not fulfilling. Mm. And I tried. And it, I, I guess I just am very honest with myself. I know myself, which I'm grateful for. But also, I tell people this sometimes. Awareness is a bitch. Because once, <laughs> once you're aware, once you know, you can't. Oh. oh yeah you know you can't lie yeah. to yourself if you lie to yourself it's gonna be worse so once you're aware then it's like very good point if, if you're not making changes then you to yourself are like hey hey self i'll quote this one awareness can be a bitch that's, that's a very good one but no it's, it's also very true i understand what you mean like once you know you know and you can't pretend not yeah, to see to go back to like the normal yeah. life and the, like, we we're talking about that recently jobs and <laughs> yeah yeah because all the wisdom yeah. is like so, excuse me excuse yeah. me <laughs> yeah yeah so what was uh so despite like you said like this boyfriend telling you your your, your voice was not special and and all those challenges where did you find the strength to overcome all those obstacles and 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 say you know what i'm actually worthy i, I can do this this is something that i can have in my life when I worked with the producers, so they were my two best friends, a guy and a girl, and we were a trio and they actually are romantically involved. They've been living together for like eight years now. And I introduced them because it's my best guy friend, my best female friend. <laughs> and so now they're together. Aww. And so my female friend, it was very supportive of like, she's like, no, go for it. Sing, sing like you're in the choir, like you're singing the gospel at a church. <laughs> and so she was very supportive, but then that scene, the party scene started not being of interest to me anymore. And I think, right. so the first song that I ever released with my own name was a song that I wrote after having sat in ceremony. So oh. that was a whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> and from that point on, it's just been flow. And how did you decide because i think what makes you very unique is the fact that you're combining through your workshops your ceremonies the, the retreats you're attending uh, 
also your yoga teaching this mix of music and the spirituality bringing both sides together um how did you came up with this idea you know and and how did you develop it through the years to really create this lifestyle that you have right now mm, i can't say that it was a conscious decision i'd have to say that spirit oh. and the great architect of life have really created this path for me and it was it was a practice of giving the sacred yes and the sacred no the sacred yes mm. is at those moments when you're like, oh my gosh, really? I don't, I don't know if I'm capable. Oh, really? This is, I can do, I don't know. Because sometimes <laughs> if we don't feel capable, then we'll say no. And, mm. and really that's the sacred yes. Like the yes. <laughs> and the sacred no is something that's easy, that's comfortable. It's kind of like convenience food. That's like easy, mm. you know, you can do it, it's convenient. Yeah. But instead saying no, because that's an investment of your attention, of your vital energy, and of your limited time here on Earth. So do you want to jump into the uncomfortable, which is the growth of the sacred yes, or do you just want to go deeper into the sacred no? no. Hmm. So um, I, I don't know that it was a conscious decision. I think that it was... And actually, this goes back to every step on my path has given me the skills to do what I do now. So it was navigating all of those right. situations where it was like, yeah, it's spiritual, but it's not this. Or yeah, it's yoga, but it's not that. And then finally, okay, if it doesn't fit this criteria, it's not for me. And I'll happily recommend someone else that I think will do it great. Because I'm also not trying to mm. steal someone else's opportunity. You're very authentic about that. Like that, that again is self-awareness and also very authentic about it. It's you, you know who you are, you know what you can do for people, and and you are true to yourself. Uh, it's 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 an amazing value I think to have. Thank you. Yeah, I try to be because no one wants to waste anyone's time, mm. and you don't want to waste your own time. But a lot of people, but a lot of people do it for money. Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I recently you know, had, that's why I think yeah, it's I recently practiced the sacred no for money. Someone from the electronic music scene, a producer, um, wrote to me and he's like, Hey, I have this track. Would you be, are you available to write the lyrics and record? And the, the pay was good. It was decent. And I knew that I could do it, but I didn't mm. want to invest my time. So I suggested someone else. It's a very powerful thing to be able to do that. Yeah. That, that is like, it takes strength to be able to say no to things, especially I think when it involves money and you kind of think, oh, what could I do with that amount of money? You know, I could do this, I could do that. And then to be able to say, actually, no, it's not something that aligns with what I want to do. It's a very powerful way to live your life. I think to only say yes to things that actually resonate with you and that you actually want to do. Yeah. Yeah. But also it's, it's the way it's practicing the sacred no, and this is really trusting in faith. In practicing the sacred no, more sacred yeses will come your way. Mm. I had a prime example of that on Valentine's Day. When today, if you're watching this now, people of the future, we're in May. <laughs> so Valentine's Day, I was, I was contacted to sing at Joya Beach for Valentine's Day. And Joya Beach Club is a beautiful club. The pay was pretty good, but it was not my style of music. 
It was a style of music that I used mm. to sing that I can definitely nail and give a great show, but I didn't want to do it. And so I said, mm. I'm going to pass on this. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I hope you have a beautiful event. I'm not, I'm not available. And like two days later, I got contacted to sing at a wedding on Valentine's Day at a Buddhist mm. sanctuary in Homestead. And they said, wow. sing anything, whatever you want to sing, we trust you because we love your style. We love your energy. We love your music. So it was fully aligned. And, and it was a little yeah. bit more money too. <laughs> <laughs> what is meant to be is meant to be. Yeah. yeah. You, something I want to really point to is that you, you make it sound really easy, all those decisions, you know, <laughs> uh, about packing your bag and leaving, about uh, being truth, true with your value and stuff like that. But it's actually, I mean, we all struggle with those conversations. Uh, this is, we all face those challenges at some point. And it's not that easy to just do it. Um, how did you learn and what kind of practice maybe did you incorporate in your life to to really live this very aligned life that you're living now? Mm, I might need to reflect on that one. I will admit that moving to Brazil was one of the most mm. challenging things I've ever done in my life because mm. I came from having lived in Miami, I, I went to college here. <clears throat> and then right after college, I got a job. So I was familiar with Miami, I had a community of friends, I had my boyfriend, I had my whole life set up. And I moved to Brazil, nobody knows me. Nobody knows if I'm alive, where I am. My phone went from to I wish someone would bother me, even yeah. a telemarketer. <laughs> but it was it was quite challenging. Um, mm. That, so that that transition was not easy. But going back to the question about what practices, I think it goes back to the beginning of the conversation that I've always been spiritual, loved silence, and been introspective. Ah, mm -hmm. I think journaling could have been a practice because oh. I have volumes of journals. Yeah, and it's really interesting to go back and say, wow, <laughs> wow, this is what I was doing to myself. <laughs> These, this is how I spoke to myself. Hmm. But um, journaling is really beautiful for me because I, I love words. Hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I love languages. Yeah. And you also, before you said that, for years, even if music and, and singing and producing mu music was part of your life, you didn't feel you could do it in your own name because you didn't, you, you had this conversation of being worthy and stuff like that. Uh, and and you, you mentioned that a friend helped you to actually do it, but uh, more like personally and, and, and inside from within how did you overcome those chatters those actually this is something i can't do i am worthy of having my name on a disc or, or whatever on spotify <laughs> it, it was just breathing through it and also allowing because if you look at the energetic scale of vibrations 
anxiety and fear are right. They're the same as excitement. Mm. Because anxiety is very similar to anticipation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But anticipation, so anxiety has a fully negative connotation. Anticipation can have a positive connotation or a negative one. So then mm. anticipation is not that far from excitement. So I would just turn it into excitement and be like, wow, mm. I don't care if nobody listens to it. I'm releasing my first song. And then it was addictive. The process was oh. because it's it's the roller coaster of, oh my goodness, okay, we're producing da, 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 the build up, we're going to release. And after the first one, I was like, I want to do this my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> was it scary though? Mm, yes. Because you're putting yourself out there, like your name is out there. So you, you know you're going to be judged. You know you're gonna, people are going to have opinions about it. Everyone is not going to like you. Everyone is not going to like your music. I, did, I, how did you navigate that? Yeah, I'm, I'm a very private person as well. So even social media, I, mm. I have a lot of work to do in vulnerability and allowing myself to be seen. And that's why I do the things that I do because I feel like I'm not the only one and I've been working so hard on it that I know a billion and a half modalities. So, so what I have learned that has gotten me this far, I can share it with someone and hopefully get them even further than I am. But what, yeah, I, so my parents actually don't like my music. Hmm. And that was, that was interesting. Um, and they told you that? Yes. Wow. How was that to take? It was okay. It's coming. I think I'd struggle with that if my parents told me that. I'd be like, oh, thanks. Yeah. I was like, I, okay, because I know that nothing is for everyone. Yeah. And so I was fine with it. And then they complained that they can't understand me because I almost never sing in English. My parents only sing or speak English. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So my songs are in right now. I have one in Portuguese. I have a couple in Spanish. Uh, I have one in Yoruba. Next is going to be Hawaiian. And then one day I'll have one in Sanskrit for sure. And maybe Guru. Mm. It's really, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to that again. Cause again, it's like your answer always very, it seems so easy when you, <laughs> when you say it, you know, uh, like, yeah, I just, it doesn't bother me or I just went through it. But I, I, I wonder where this uh, is, is coming from. You know, it must be in years and years of practice. And like you said, just sitting in silence and, 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 and going within and learning who you are and, and being okay with your feelings and everything. Uh, like, I don't know, you know, for a lot of people, including myself, even if I'm practicing it, just sitting for 10 minutes or 15 minutes meditating in silence can be s the hardest thing ever right <laughs> mm -hmm. um and and yeah it's if you can go through it though the the value that it's going to bring into your life is tremendous mm -hmm. but um like when did meditation came into your life? Is that something that you, you actually, oh, today I'm going to learn how to meditate and you downloaded an app and you learned it or it was just maybe something you've always done without knowing you are doing it in a sense? So I'm going to say something that I think a lot of people will disagree with and I'm fine with that. 
I don't believe that meditation necessarily means that we have to sit down in silence. Yeah. I believe that meditation is simply having silence around you and going about your life. So in my life, if I am organizing my room or washing the dishes and I'm fully present and I don't have music on in the background, I don't have someone talking to me, then I have peace. And then I'll reflect and I guess, I guess I've just spent a lot of time alone. I'm not really sure, but I have read a lot of Deepak Chopra books and I'm not sure what first attracted me to them, but my first role in meditation guidance was guided visualizations. I loved guided visualizations. And so I used to facilitate them. And then I started working with meditation. And this is funny. I can say it now. I, I was recruited to teach yoga at Equinox. Mm-hmm. And so I passed the audition and all that good stuff. And they gave me my first class. And my first class was going to be a 75-minute vinyasa flow and a 15-minute meditation class. And I had never taught meditation before. And they were like, mm. these are your classes, enjoy. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so um, fortunately, right at that time, a friend of mine, she wasn't even a friend, it was an acquaintance, invited me to do the 21 Days of Abundance by Deepak oh, yeah. Chopra. Oh, yeah. And this was many moons ago. And I was like, oh, what is this? Yeah, I'll check it out. And so that, I went down the rabbit hole of all these different meditations and mantra meditations. And so that really aligned with me because I could just sing the mantra, I could explain what the mantras were, and then I could just sing them for about 15 minutes and get other people involved, take a pause, circle back to the mantra, how it's connecting with us at this moment, and then keep going. And then now I can give an entire concert of mantra meditation Mm. uh, with just, we'll choose one theme and that will be the needle and thread that weave all the songs together. And so it was, it was really beautiful. Thank you, Equinox. Thank you, Equinox, <laughs> for giving me something that I thought I wasn't ready for. And that was a perfect application of the sacred yes. I didn't feel yeah. ready, but I wasn't going to say no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, saying yes to opportunities. You, you never know what it's going to lead to in life, right? You mm-hmm. never know until you say yes, you try it and you give it a shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a good lesson. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit more about specifically songwriting? Because you create your own music, right? And you you write songs. Mm -hmm. And I feel from a not musician singer (laughs) perspective that this is taking the the domain to a whole other level because it's you. You know, it's not just singing the song of someone else. It's putting a piece of yourself maybe in a way yeah. uh, out there yeah. and 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 being very vulnerable and and stuff like that um i wonder about yeah your creative process what inspire you to write a song to create a song and and how do you feel about also sharing them in public or maybe you don't share them all in public because some of them you i don't know for some reason want to keep them for yourself uh, that's a great question. So the songwriting process, people would ask me sometimes, which comes first, the words or the melody? Mm. And sometimes they come together. 
Mm. Um, but a lot of times I would just write in my journal. So it goes back to the journaling. Mm, I would write okay. in my journal. And then I didn't play any instruments until recently. So before then, if I were with a guitarist and that person would start just playing chords, I could freestyle lyrics on top of their chords. Right. Or I could mm. say, oh, you know what? Keep doing that. I have these lyrics. Let's see how they sound like this. And we would build a song together. But now what happens is I'll grab an ukulele and I'll just play some chords and something will come out and I'll just press the record. Thank goodness for the voice memo function on the phones. Yeah. <laughs> because before that, oh never God. been easier. Yeah. I don't know how I remembered any songs before the voice memo function. <laughs> I probably have dozens of songs that are just forgotten. But yeah, in, in total, I've written over 30 songs easily. Wow. Recorded of my own name. I think I have like seven or eight. How did you learn the ukulele? Was that something that you just picked up one day and figured it out? Or did you do classes? Like, how did that come about? Everything I just figured out. <laughs> I love that. You're very intuitive, I feel. Um, well, I'm going to change that. I am figuring out things as they come. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, my sister came to Brazil to visit me when I was there. And she had just picked up the ukulele. And she was like, da, da, da very very choppy not fluid yeah. and and so we were singing and i was like oh that's really cool it's so cool that you're playing ukulele and i said i wonder if i can and so i just do 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 and then i just kept on teaching myself and now i have a couple so this one that's cool. this one mm -hmm. that i know of i am the third mother of it mm. oh wow yeah it's traveled they were the first two mothers I think my sister gave it to me, so she mm -hmm. was the second mother, and I think she got it from one of our mutual friends who I haven't seen in like a decade. Her name is Leah Dawson, and she's a world-famous surfer and yeah. and um, eco-activist, particularly okay. about water, water kids. Mm. Yeah. So it's traveled to at least five continents. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Probably. That's really cool. <laughs> and... Recently, you released a song in, I'm, I'm going to butcher the name, so, but in an African language, yeah, right? Yoruba. Uh, how did you come up with this idea? Because it's very random, right? Like, how did you decide to sing a song and write a song in an African language? So that one, I didn't write the, the lyrics to. I don't speak okay. Yoruba. But um, it's a beautiful song, and it's oftentimes sung in ceremony. And it's sung, in, in my experience, it's sung at a time when people need comforting. Mm -hmm. Because the words, the essence of the song, and a lot of times if you look at a direct translation, it loses all of the essence. So yeah. the essence of the song is one of comforting, of sitting on your mother's lap and being embraced. And it's for Oshun who's the goddess of fertility and of compassion and also of beauty. And some of her manifestations are, you know how Hindu, Hindu deities have different things that represent them. Yeah. So some of hers are the peacock to like allow yourself to be seen like beauty, right? And honey for sweetness and fresh water for flow. Yeah. So that, I chose that one because it, it really spoke to me in ceremony. So you're at the point in your life where it seems from my point of view that you 
you're living a very fulfilled and aligned life. Um, you, in a way, it's interesting, you know, going back to when you were 24 years old, you, you were very successful according to the American society, uh, but not happy. And now the American society would say that you are a hippie, probably. I know, one of those damn hippies. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you are living maybe in a different way, a very even more successful life than you were before for you mm -hmm. and very aligned with who you were and, and very fulfilling, making you happy. Uh, what's next for you? What's the... How do you improve that? What you have right now? What's 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 your vision? You know, for 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 the next step. Oh, thank you for that question. I I would love to share what I do on a larger scale. So I'm really grateful this year so far. I think I think I've worked at four different retreats. Oh. Um, with healing through music, through song yoga, meditation, mindfulness practices. And what I, the feedback that I receive is that sometimes simply talking to me can be therapeutic. That even from women that are older in, in linear age that have yeah. had children and like have been married and stuff, that just talking to me, they can still learn. And, and it's, and it's calming and soothing and healing to them. So I would love to do this on a larger scale. I would love to share what I do at more festivals and perhaps at larger retreats because at this last one, I think there were 24 women. Mm -hmm. When I do my own retreats, I have very small groups, like six, eight, maybe 10 people mm -hmm. because I, I want to give personalized attention to everyone, but also we heal through each other's experiences. So if, if I could share this on a larger scale and internationally, I think that would be really aligned with what my life, the places my life has put me. The fact that now I speak Spanish and I speak Portuguese, I don't think that those are coincidences. I think that at, in my life, those are gonna be exactly what is required for my role. Um, yeah. Also, what I would love to do is with my project, Kanikapila, I don't want to call it project, um, <laughs> with my spiritual baby, <laughs> Kanikapila, I would love to see that grow and expand because that is a way that we inspire and uplift the community. And it's just so elevating in terms of energy. And it's, it's quite unique as well. So I'd love to see that grow into a, a whole festival. Much needed because yeah. we need unity at this time. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we need so much. Yeah. So yeah. That, that would be much needed for the world, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then it shall be. If you say we need it, it I'll serve it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Emilia. That's been wonderful uh, getting to know you a bit more and really understanding you know, what made you the person you became today and, and everything that you do. And, and it's very, I think, inspiring uh, to to see how aligned you are with 
who you were and what you do, you know, everything seems seems to be in sync with each other. And yeah. and and it's just really nice to see that first it's possible, you know, it's not just in a book, so in the movies, <laughs> it is possible for all of us. And mm-hmm. and it's nice to see that, you know, it's making you happy and, 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 and it's really, yeah, fulfilling for you. So yeah, it's very inspiring. Thank you. You're welcome. One time someone said, and I love this, they said, if I can do it, you can do it better. <laughs> yeah, it's possible yeah. And, and you can even do it yeah. better. Live your dreams. Try at least. <laughs> That's the main thing. And you'll try and you'll succeed. Yeah. 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 Oh, just try wholeheartedly with the sacred yeses and the sacred noes. That's the secret. Yeah, that's a very big lesson for yeah. everybody, I think. Thank you so much for talking to us. It's been so lovely. I've just been sat here listening the whole time. <laughs> You're so calming. Like even just listening to you talk, I'm just like, oh, that's I feel so, so like relaxed. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, when you come back to Miami, let's let's get together, and I'll give you a private meditation session, and you'll just oh, that'll, that'll be, be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, um, we do have one last question before we close off. It's something that we ask most of our guests when we remember. Um, if you could speak to anybody who is dead or alive and famous or not, who do you think you would choose and why? What would you like to talk to them about? Okay, so I don't think I would want to speak. I think I would rather listen. Mm. Yeah. Um probably Gandhi. Mm. I just want to listen. <laughs> Never had this answer before. That's a very interesting yeah. way to put it. Like despite the person I just I would just like to listen. That's a very powerful statement. It also makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what can I contribute? I'd rather listen, absorb and then share it forward afterwards. Wow. I love that. That's yeah. really interesting. Very, Thank very <laughs> powerful answer. <laughs> Thank you so much, Emilia. I will link in the description and the show notes your website, your Instagram, your Spotify, so people can look at everything that you do, listen to your music, uh, book a meditation or attend your retreat and everything. So everything will be down there so people can check it mm-hmm. out. And uh, yeah, again, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And we will see you again next Wednesday for a brand new episode. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Thank you.